All right, children, you are now dismissed. We are uh, continuing in our series, as we talked about last week. We are doing a series of mini-series, and we are looking at stories in the Scriptures, these wonderful narratives that change and transform our lives. Because the Word of God is living and breathing and active, when we come to all of Scripture, we can learn lessons, even the narratives of the Old Testament. So we're going to be looking at these different stories of these Bible characters throughout uh, the next several weeks, and we are in week two of the life of Joseph. I'm going to pray one more time, and then we are going to jump into the Word of the Lord together. God, we thank you that all of your Word is breathed into life from your mouth. We pray, Holy Spirit of the living God, that you will fall fresh upon us this morning. I pray that as we open up this story, this familiar passage of Scripture in the life of Joseph, I pray that you will teach us something new. And that we won't just have something for the purpose of education added to our minds, but may these passages and this story bring transformation to our hearts. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today's sermon is titled, Defeating Temptation. And many of you have probably read this passage of Joseph's life several times. Many of you have probably walked through it during Sunday school when you were a kid, or have taught it as a Sunday school teacher. And this passage is important as we wrestle with the idea of temptation. Now, as I was looking to bring an opening illustration of temptation, I remembered long ago a video of a church staff and a chocolate cake and the pastor ate the cake. Well, I didn't want to show you that video because I like chocolate cake and that just, it's not a bad thing, right? But there was this thing that happened in 2020. I think it was just parents were bored during COVID and they picked up something that uh, was from decades ago. I was talking with Wanda earlier about it and she said this thing called the toddler challenge has been around for a really long time. Well, this is the first time I ever heard of the toddler challenge where you tempt kids with candy and you walk away. So I want to show you a quick video of an Australian mother who does this to her children and see what the kid's response is.
that just seems like torture, doesn't it? Man, if anybody did that to me, I would definitely eat the candy, right? But we see this, this issue of temptation, and we're not foreign to it. We've all experienced temptation in our lives, whether it was candy in front of a table while our parents walked away, or whether it was grandma was in, you know, cooking something, and we saw her candy jar, and we tried to lift up the, the candy jar and eat it. We've all experienced temptation, like these toddlers. The issue is, is that too often we allow temptation to just go on a little bit too long where we begin to just play with the idea of temptation, where, like these toddlers, they begin to, to touch the candy, then they snip the candy, and eventually they gave in and ate the candy. In our lives, we end up having a similar struggle. But in the life of Joseph, we see the answer to a question of how we can defeat temptation. But really quickly, on the onset, I want you to remember that temptation is not sin. Yielding to temptation is sin. It's important to recognize and remember that Jesus himself was tempted. In the book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, we see that Jesus was tempted in every way that you and I are or have been or will be tempted. So temptation is not the sin. The enemy would like to get you get into your mind and say, "Well, you're tempted, you might as well just go ahead and do it because you've already sinned." Right? But that's not true. We can see temptation for what it is, something that is trying to draw us in to sin, not necessarily sin itself as the temptation comes along. But because we all will experience, have experienced, and maybe are experiencing temptation, we need to look at Scripture on how we can defeat temptation. And Joseph gives us the answer in his life in these passages. I believe that Joseph actually gives us five ways that you and I can defeat temptation in our lives. And the very first way he gives us to defeat temptation is the way of remaining. Remain side by side with the Lord and we will be strengthened. Remain side by side with the Lord and we will be strengthened. Look with me at Genesis 39 verses 1 through 5. It will be on the screen or you can have your passage right in front of you. The word of the Lord, Genesis 39, 1 through 5. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites, had bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in his house and his field. Despite what had happened to Joseph, if you remember last week, his brothers sold him into slavery. They were going to kill him, but his brother saved his life. And this was because Joseph was the favorite of their father. It was because Joseph walked in a little bit of arrogance. And we saw some of the lessons that we can learn from his negative example last week as the dreamer, how we can live differently than he did in that moment. 
But there was something that transpired within his life as he was sold into slavery. We can see that Joseph began to trust in the Lord. That Joseph switched his allegiance from himself to the Lord himself. And we can see this because of this specific passage that says that the Lord was with Joseph. The Hebrew word here is et, and it means with, among, and by the side of. So God was alongside of Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph, which means that Joseph was also side by side with the Lord. I can't explain what happened from one portion of his life to the other, but we can see that Joseph begins to depend upon the Lord and no longer depend upon himself. He's probably, as he's traveling with the Ishmaelites, wondering, how did I get here? But within that moment of frustration, sadness, desperation, he turns to the Lord, and the Lord brings a blessing to his life. The Lord brings a blessing to his life. A commentator once said, From the outset, the narrator asserts that Yahweh's presence was the unseen force directing Joseph's life. At the end, in in chapter 50, we will see that Joseph himself reflects upon this reality that God was guiding and directing his steps, that God was using everything that the enemy was meaning for evil for the blessing of Joseph's life. Here, one of the the weirdest passages that I think in Scripture that I, I really wrestle with, which might not seem weird to you, but it does to me, is that God used Joseph to bless the house of his slave owner. It says that for Joseph's sake, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house. Why would God do anything for our sake? (laughs) Doesn't he need to just do it for his own sake? But here, because Joseph was so in close proximity to the Lord, God cared for Joseph and wanted things to go well for him in Potiphar's house. For the Lord's sake, the Egyptian's house was blessed. Everything that Joseph touched was blessed but not because of himself. Chuck Swindoll, in his book about Joseph, says, Clearly God was the secret of Joseph's Joseph's success. Luck had nothing to do with it. Another commentator says, Joseph's achievements are not his own. They have divine reason. Joseph himself came to recognize that his suffering was for the ultimate good of saving family and nations. The scripture again says the Lord blessed the Egyptians' home for Joseph's sake. Man, that is a beautiful reality of connectivity to God. That Joseph remained so close to the Lord that it blessed and changed everything that he did in life. When I think about that passage, it encourages me, even before we see some of the ways in which Joseph walked away from temptation, the very first truth is that he was walking side by side with God, relying upon his Lord. And point number three, continually cultivating God's presence in our lives changes everything for our good. And you could even add at the end of that, despite our circumstances. Despite the circumstances that Joseph found himself in, his connection to the Lord, his intimacy in relationship with the Lord, recognizing that nothing that he could do could bring him out of it, but only the Lord. 
Remember a couple passages before, Joseph was all about himself, that you're going to bow down to me. I'm so awesome. My star is the brightest. You will all worship me, Joseph. But Joseph has shifted his dependence upon himself and upon the Lord. And God was blessing everything that he was doing. Not because Joseph was so good, but because God was good. So we see the importance of remaining with God. The very first thing that gives us the power to defeat temptation. The second way that Joseph gives us is the way of refusal. Refuse to give in to the alluring lies of temptation. Let's continue the passage. To refuse to give in to the alluring lies of the temptation. What does Joseph do? Genesis 39, 6-9. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, that's Potiphar. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? This is a very graphic portion of Scripture. It is not leaving anything for our guests. Joseph was a handsome, good-looking man. If the Bible reader wanted to, in our vernacular, would say Joseph was hot. He couldn't say it any other way. In the Hebrew, that's what he's saying. Joseph was hot. He was muscular. He was handsome. And when you looked at him, you're like, that is something nice to look at. That's what he said. He was pleasing in appearance. And so, as he's walking in life, not only is he full of power and dominion over this house, but he's also very handsome. That doesn't mean that Potiphar was an ugly guy. It just means that Potiphar was not around. And here, Joseph is around, having all the power, all the dominion over the house. And when Potiphar's wife sees him, she's like, hmm, I wonder. And she doesn't even ask, really. She's just like, come on, lie with me. I know, come on. I'm good looking, you're good looking, this is what we're going to do. And he stops and he's like, no. He refuses in this moment. That word for refuse is very, very strong. The Hebrew word is mayen, and it means refuse, to show unwillingness or refusal to do something. It is absolutely unwilling. It is a surprise and a shock to Joseph that this would even be put on the table. He's repulsed by this question. And he says, how can you even ask me this type of thing? Your husband has given me everything. I'm a slave, but he has blessed me. I am just as powerful in this house as him. And the only thing that he has not given me is you. And that's because, hello, reminder, you're his wife. You're his wife. And he refuses. But he also brings God into it. It's not just this idea of this man has put me in charge of things. I don't want to, you know, mess up this man's trust in me. He says this is a sin against God. He recognized very quickly that the importance of God's connection to him was what he had. 
And he displays his dependence and his love for the Lord by calling it what it is, sin. And he refused. Joseph's story, the greater the success, the greater the temptation. And we see in Swindoll's book, he says, with greater success comes greater measures of trust, which, by the way, lead to greater times of unguarded vulnerability. He puts that in, that, in, the, in his book on Joseph because we see this happen in his life, that God is raising Joseph up. But because of Joseph's past, he could begin to believe his own press clippings. When he begins to have this power and dominion, He's tempted in the middle of that. He wasn't tempted when he was a lowly slave, when nobody cared about him. He was still good looking, even though he was a slave. But this did not happen until he was in power and dominion over Potiphar's house. How often have we seen in the church celebrity pastors fall and fail? How often have we seen these men and women who are raised up to be completely fallen down because they have stopped relying upon the Lord? They were not looking to see the temptation that would be around them. How could I be tempted? I'm so awesome. Well, and then we begin to excuse the temptation and yielding into the sin. One such person who fell sexually in his life uh, as, as, a, as a longtime pastor, he began to say, well, I deserve it because I do so much work for the Lord. How twisted can you be? How demonic can you have this reality in your life? How How horrible is that thought? But he was not walking the way Joseph was walking, close proximity to the Lord, with the ability to then turn and refuse when the temptation comes. Joseph saw this moment for what it was, a trap that would ruin not only his life with Potiphar, but would ruin his relationship to the Lord. Because he would be choosing her bed over the Lord's pleasure. You see, temptation is a sadistic lover who promises a kiss but delivers a knife. Temptation promises that things will be better if you yield, that you will feel better if you yield to this thing. The enemy dangles the carrot before us and says, if you just give in, it'll be so good. It'll feel great. See, but behind that temptation, the enemy is not, and when he says he's offering good things, he has a knife behind his back and can't wait to stab you in the chest and ruin your life. Temptation is something that is there to lure you away from relationship to God. We must remain close to him and then refuse when temptation comes. The third way Joseph gives us to defeat temptation is the way of deafness. We are to grow deaf to the constant nagging voice of the enemy. Grow deaf to the constant nagging voice of the enemy. Verse 10, really quickly, says it. says, and as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. Potiphar's wife begins to make this demand Every single day. Every single day. One commentator says this, Joseph was not deterred despite the daily pressure day after day. 
expresses the distributive use of the repeated day, that is, every day. Temptation is not a part-time experience of the believer. John Calvin commented, Holy Joseph, therefore, must have been endowed with extraordinary power of the Spirit, seeing that he stood invincible to the last against all the allurements of the impious woman. There is this constant thing that happens when temptation comes. It's not just going to be one and done. You can't just be tempted once and say, oh, I refuse it, and not expect it to come back around. Especially those things that feed off of our sinful flesh, those areas of our life that the enemy knows that he can keep going after. Whether it's negative thoughts about yourself and believing lies about who you are or falling into pornography or falling into addiction, no matter what it may be, the enemy is going to consistently try to come at you again and again and again and again. One author says, if you're living in the imaginary bubble that somehow temptation once resisted will vanish, burst at this very moment. As a matter of fact, when you think like this, you become an even greater target for the tempter. If you're like, oh, I refused. I can lay back and chillax now because I said no. The enemy's going to come back with even more temptation, even greater force to try and get you to give in. But Joseph chose to grow deaf. He stopped listening, and eventually he pulled himself away from where she would be. He would purposefully be in a different space. Knowing where Potiphar's wife would be, he would go somewhere else. If he would walk into the office and know that Potiphar's wife was going to be there, he would leave that office. He would ensure that he would not have to see her face again because she was constantly nagging him. Now, this reminds me, as it's Mother's Day, of children, right? Have you ever been on a car ride where your kid wants water every five seconds, right? And you know that you have given this kid hydration enough that this child can last for the next 30 minutes in the car ride. But the kid is convinced that they absolutely need hydration or they will die. They will perish if they don't have water. And as a smart parent, you recognize that if I give this silly child the water that they're begging for, we're going to have to stop before we get there because they're going to have to pee really bad. So no water for you. This is my daily routine with my son Liam. Every day. He loves water. He drinks water like it's going out of style. You would think that this child never is given water, but he begs for water. On an hour trip, when we go visit our family in Pittsburgh, it's always, can I drink some water? But we sometimes just have to grow deaf to it. Have you ever just turned the volume up on the music? (laughs) Have you ever just started a conversation with your spouse and said, please stop talking because we need to have a serious conversation when you're not really talking about anything serious at all? Right? It's easy for parents to eventually grow deaf to those really crazy requests. We need to take lessons from our parenthood and how we ignore our kids' really weird requests and begin to ignore the enemy in the same way. We need to begin to grow deaf to the enemy's constant barrage of temptation. Sometimes that means we remove ourselves. Sometimes that means we turn up the music. Sometimes that means we spend more time with Jesus. Sometimes that means we spend more time out of isolation and with other people. The Lord will share with you what it is that you can do to grow deaf. 
to the constant nagging of the enemy. The fourth way that Joseph gives us to defeat temptation is the way of fleeing. Flee from temptation and run towards the Lord. Verses 11 and 12 says this, But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by the garment saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. He was ignoring her. He was walking away from where she was. He was trying to make sure that he didn't have to spend time with her. And she had set up the scenario. She had figured out his schedule. She was kind of crazy about him. She had fallen into lust with Joseph, and she was going to have her way. And so she sets up this whole scenario where she sends all of the servant men away, knows what time Joseph is going to show up. She has on her calendar doing my hair. So he's like, wow, she's not going to be here. That's going to take seven hours, right? right? But he walks in, and there she is. And she grabs him by the cloak and demands that he lie with her. But he flees. He runs away. He's like, listen, when I can't grow deaf anymore, I need to go away from this crazy wife of Potiphar. I need to leave. And so he fled. The enemy knows the buttons to push in our lives. And we can, in our close proximity to the Lord, begin to refuse and grow deaf. But there will be a moment where some temptations will overwhelm us, surprise us, show up when they shouldn't be there. And we've got to be able to flee from that temptation. We need to flee from that temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 gives us a really, really encouraging word where it says that God will always give us an escape when temptation comes. When I talk with men and women who fall into temptation, no matter what it is, there's this, oh, I just couldn't resist. It just kept coming. It kept happening. I didn't see any way out. I was trapped. No, the Bible is very clear that there is an escape hatch. There is a way out, but we need to look for it. When temptation hounds you, Ask the Spirit to reveal the escape hatch. If you don't think there's one there, pray. Ask the Lord for the escape hatch. What I've discovered is that many times when people get this close to the temptation, their flesh does not want the escape hatch. And so they don't ask. And so then they blame the enemy. It's like the garden, right? When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, and God comes and says, what happened? And Adam, with one sentence, blames two people. He says, the woman that you gave me. How could you give me this woman? Look at what she did. God, it's your fault, it's her fault. I mean, what else was I going to do? I felt the pressure, right? We need to not shift the blame. We need to own it. And we need to look and say, wow, this temptation, I'm so close to yielding. Holy Spirit of the living God, show me the way out. And he loves to answer that question. He loves to show you the escape hatch that you can flee out from that temptation. Ask for it. The close proximity to the Lord gives you the ability to hear his voice refusing it doesn't always mean that it's not going to come back because temptation loves to nag us. We must grow deaf, but then we must flee from it. I told you there are five ways 
The fifth way Joseph gives us to defeat temptation is the way of being with. Or, if you'd like, abide. Many of you who are here throughout the whole process of 1 John were probably thinking we finally got away from this word abide. Nope, it's all throughout Scripture. You see, this is important. We must choose to remain with the Lord despite the ramifications of obedience. Choose to remain with the Lord despite the ramifications of obedience. Let me read to you the passage, Genesis 39, 19 through 23. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the innkeeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. The key to Joseph's success is bookended by being with the Lord. Being with the Lord in the beginning and the Lord walking side by side to him, remember that's what that Hebrew word means, side by side. As he began that way with the Lord, he was able to refuse, he was able to grow deaf, and he was able to flee. But even after he was thrown into prison for something he didn't do, and he didn't do it because he was walking in obedience. He was walking in obedience to reject the temptation that had come after him. Even though he was obedient, he still found himself in prison. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was a person who was walking in obedience and I was still thrown into prison, I might walk away from that remaining with God moment. Saying, look, how did this even do anything successful for me? I could have just given in to the temptation and she wouldn't have tattled on me and I would still be in favor with Potiphar. How in the world is this a good thing, being obedient and going to jail? But that was not at all Joseph's attitude. Joseph, even though he was thrown into prison for obedience, he remained with the Lord. The Lord was with Joseph. Hartley, a commentator, says, Truly Yahweh was with Joseph, guiding his destiny in even the most dismal circumstances. Even though it might seem like God is not there, even though it may seem that the circumstances in your life may be overwhelming you despite your obedience to reject the temptation that would give you the idea otherwise, God is with you. God promises to be with you. God desires for us to abide in Him, to remain in Him. And when we do, even when circumstances seem bizarre, crazy, wild, and difficult, we can get through those trials. Paul says as much in Romans 8.31, If God is for us, no one can be against us. No circumstance can ever overcome the Lord. 
No temptation can ever overcome the Lord. No scenario, no pain, no suffering can ever overcome the Lord. And if the Lord is for us, who can be against us? This might sound a little trite, because it can be difficult to see God in the midst of these painful circumstances in our life. God being with us doesn't mean that the circumstances are erased. It just means that we can get through those circumstances with power and strength because he's with us. May we continue to remain with the Lord. Your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing of your life. You spending time with Jesus outside of your time on Sunday is the most important thing you can do. Making sure that you are cultivating a relationship with Jesus is the most important thing that you can do in your life. But you know what? I can preach my brains out and tell you that every single Sunday. But it's on you to go after the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. The only way that you can push back the darkness of temptation in your life, the only way that you can cease yielding into sin is by cultivating that deep, rich intimacy with the Lord. And when it becomes almost unbearable, asking the Spirit of God to provide for you the escape hatch, to give you the eyes to see that which you need to flee to. Only He can provide that. Too often we try to rely upon our own strengths as humans. And guess what? We are weak. In the Bible, you and I are called sheep often. I don't know if you ever hung out with a sheep. Sheep are dumb. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. They just wander around making baaing noises. They need a shepherd. They need someone who's going to shave them. Otherwise, they'll melt to death in the sun. They need their shepherd. You and I, sad to say, are sheep, and we need our shepherd. Surrender and rely on him, not yourself. Because if God is for us, no one can be against us. Let me leave you with the words that Chuck Swindoll states. He says, claim the supernatural strength that comes from knowing Jesus Christ and operating under the control of His power, His Spirit, stand strong in His might and not your own. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your love. We thank You that You do give us a way out of temptation. We thank You that relationship with You strengthens our resolve to refuse, to grow deaf to, and to flee temptation. I pray, Holy Spirit of the living God, for a new wave of strength for each and every one of us. As the enemy will consistently try to bombard us with temptation for us to yield again into sin. I pray that we will stand firm, not in our strength, but that we will claim your strength and allow your spirit to empower us to refuse and to flee the enemy's temptation. In your holy and precious name we pray, amen.